Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, this is not the undercard, nor is this the sideshow. This is, in fact, the main event. My name is Ryan Baldwin. Joined, as always, by my right-hand man sitting on my left-hand side, the one and only Mason Shepard. You know it, man. Mason, the main event. I'm ready for it. How are we feeling today, Mason? I'm feeling great. They don't know what you did off air, but I'm still dying. One day when we have uh, when we have video <laughs> and I can show off my cool dance moves to everybody, we're going to have... like. If y'all think y'all dance to the opening theme, you should see this guy. Oh, they ain't seen nothing yet. Just wait. We're, what? <laughs> We did have we did get permission to actually do video at one point, so I can't wait to do that. That'll be a nice, fun little that will little that will stream. be fun. <sighs> what a week of college football, Mason! <sighs> you can say that again. What a weekend! We got a little bit of a clearer picture coming out of the weekend because we had some major losses. Yep. Uh, I think the biggest college football playoff defining loss was actually Oregon losing. We can debate Oregon and uh, losing and Michigan State losing, but I think Oregon losing in such spectacular fashion basically has booted them out completely. There is, no, there is no, honestly, chance. I would agree with you on that because like like I had said about three weeks ago when we t- went over Ohio State's schedule, they were expected to beat Michigan State, but Oregon losing to Utah, which I got to give the Utes a little bit of credit. All right? They... And this, and I'm giving them this credit because everybody would be like, oh, Mason, but you crap on these smaller school teams who don't play anybody. And to that, I say Ryan does too. But <laughs> I also want to say, in all seriousness, Utah, if you've noticed consistently, like for the last seven years, around this time, they're ranked, they beat top-ranked teams, and they always come to play. So, you know, I, I got to give them credit, and I am... Um, you know, I will agree with you that Oregon was probably the most surprising loss. And as you mentioned, Ohio State whipped up on Michigan State. Wasn't even a close game. Son, meet that. 49-0 to zero at the end of the first half. Son, meet that. Uh, and so that I think that basically secure Unless they lose to Michigan, that, that which we're both kind of in agreement that that's probably not going to happen. Twin brother, meet dad. <laughs> uh, that would be the only way they don't make it in. But that, Ohio State's locked in when they that, when that, they yeah. humiliated Michigan State last last Saturday. They're in because they humiliated them. Other than that, uh, nothing particularly exciting jumped out from the uh, no from like the top ten. Everybody else kind of won that was expected to win. Alabama, th- uh, actually Alabama, interestingly, only beat Arkansas by seven. I mean, Arkansas was ranked 21 at the time, and it's an SEC game, but... Uh... You know, I, um, I've i made a pact with myself. I call it the Razorback rule, in okay. that I will never give Arkansas credit for anything. So, bleh. Yeah. But no, in, in, in all seriousness, in all fairness to the respective sports... Um, that is, that is very impressive. That's what that's in, even though Ryan, you know, likes to, you know, you know, almost doesn't count less horseshoes, hand grenades, whatever. Um... That's what you call one of those moral victories to know that you hung in there with Alabama and they only beat you by seven. That that is a big deal, and it shows that the SEC, uh, Arkansas is going to become a good team next year. I, I I'm predicting it, and I don't want to because that that school makes me sick, and the town and the state does too. But I would say that Arkansas, it's cold, uh, <laughs> Texas boy through and through. Um, but no, I would say that Arkansas will probably be. 
in the top 15 in a in, in a in a year or two because they're they've just played good football man and even though I just I don't like them I don't like their colors I don't like Razorback I, none of them <laughs> I uh, sensing some repressed feelings here <laughs> from you Mason plus I'm a Longhorn fan so it's 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 that but uh, and yes. like I said and plus I'm from Texarkana Arkansas so on the next side so um in all seriousness I think they'll be top 15 because they've got them. They've got Cam Newton Jr. for a quarterback. And I don't know. The team seems to really be rallying behind him. So That's fair. And then Georgia beat Charleston Southern. Obviously, <laughs> that game was never going to be. Who would have thunk that Georgia would have beat Charleston Southern? And Cincinnati handily dispatched SMU, which we kind of. I Who mean, cares? Yeah, yeah, that's expected. And Michigan thoroughly dispatched Maryland, and Notre Dame made sure Georgia Tech never even got on the scoreboard. So okay, I'm gonna I'm not gonna lie because I know I made cases for those last two games. That honestly surprised me because I know Maryland can turn the heat up when they want to, mm-hmm. and Georgia Tech can too. They're they're not pushovers. So for them to get blasted, um, hey man, it's called the unluck of the draw at that point. So. Usually, when we do our college football talk, we have the college football standings uh, from the pre from the shows on Tuesdays because yeah. the college football committee will do their selection show on Tuesday night. And today, since we're doing this on a Tuesday, we have the fortune to make our own. That top is six. that is very true. So, do you want to go first, or you want me to go first? Uh, well, okay. So, as far as top six, Georgia has to be number one. Georgia's obviously that, that's one. a given. Yeah. Number two, I think two and three is kind of. Do you go Bama or do you go Ohio State? They're interchangeable, and I think they're interchangeable because they're because Bama's going to be there in the top three, and so is Ohio State. So I think you can put them anywhere you want them. I think because Bama has only. If we're going by how they do it, since Bam Bama's only lost one game, right? Yes. Yeah, so they lost to A and M. Yeah. Yeah. So. They will have they go to Ohio State since they've lost a couple. They go three and then four. You gotta go Cincinnati. You have to go Cincinnati. Well, they're undefeated. Yeah. So you have to put it doesn't mean they won't get blasted, but you have to put them there. Five, I would say. See, five and six is where it gets interesting. The top four, you already know what they're gonna be. Five, um, God, I'm trying to think. Notre Dame, see, I Michigan, don't, uh, Oklahoma State. Definitely not them because I don't think they're going to get past so, Oklahoma. I hope so they do. You got, I mean, in the in the top ten, the AP top ten, you've only got three other uh, one loss teams. Honestly, this is going to come out of left field. Number five, Baylor. I say you put Baylor number five. Okay, because they at number five. Yeah, well, because they they did beat Oklahoma. And Baylor has only lost, I think, was it one game? Maybe two? Two. One to Oklahoma State and one to TCU. Yeah, I say you, okay, so you would, I think you would put Baylor five, in my opinion. So, but, so you're going to put, Oklahoma State's only got one loss. They beat Baylor, and you're going to put Baylor at number five over Oklahoma, Oklahoma State? Oklahoma State hasn't proven they can beat Oklahoma yet. That, just like Michigan. But Michi- they beat Baylor. Michigan, well, this, but this is the thing. Their game is to beat Oklahoma. If they can do that, then yes. But Baylor, Baylor's one of those teams, if, like, think about this. If Baylor can beat, I'm not going to include my Longhorns, because they ain't been good since Colt McCoy was there. But if you, if Baylor can beat Oklahoma, which they've done. Now, they did lose to Oklahoma State, which I agree with. But 
they beat because Oklahoma is still the top ranked team in the Big Twelve. No, they're not. Well, not now, but they were at the time that they, Baylor played them, and they beat them. Well, we agreed that Oklahoma was not as good as no. Their, as I their know they're thing. not. No, 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 no. I'm speaking ranking wise. I, Oklahoma can fall off a bridge. I don't care. But I'm just saying, rankings wise, they were the best ranked team. Not. Talent-wise, but they were ranked the highest at the time, and Baylor beat them. Oklahoma State has to... Now, if they beat Oklahoma, that's why I'm putting Baylor 5. Oklahoma State has to beat Oklahoma. When they do that, they can have number 5 all they want. But until then, give Baylor that push because they've already beaten the top-ranked team. You got to go with who beats the top-ranked team, Ryan. Because what if Oklahoma State loses to Oklahoma again? Well, they're that, not getting in. In that case, Oregon should still be up there because they did they did beat Ohio State. <sighs> checkmate atheists. No, it's <laughs> really checkmate atheists. <laughs> no, I, this is the thing. I honestly don't agree with why Oregon. Yeah, they got beat by Utah, but like, I don't see why that dropped them out of that spot personally. The way they got beat by Utah was bad, but again, I because like you said, they beat Ohio State. Like I said, these rankings are stupid. Like I said, four or five, it gets a uh, five or six, it gets murky. But all right, so so I don't really know who I would put six. I guess I would have to put Notre Dame there, and I don't want to, but I would have to. So so what's your list? Well, obviously Georgia. I, I think we got the top yeah. four down. At this well, point. I I think actually Alabama is going to be number two, and here's why: because the committee. Wants to make it so that if Alabama loses to Georgia, they can still put Alabama at number three. And if they go down to number three already and they lose in the conference championship, then they have to drop down to four. They don't want Georgia and Alabama to play each other again if they're going to make it. So they want Bama to be either two or three. And if Georgia, if Bama beats Georgia, then Bama would be one and Georgia would be two or three. Yeah. I know it's a little bit conspiracy theorist, but... were, I mean, I think that Bama and Georgia are two of the best four teams in the country. So yeah. they deserve to be up there. Yeah. Whether, whether Bama loses to Georgia, there's no shame in losing to Georgia if that's the case. No. But then you would not want to put them in an immediate rematch. No. So then you either have to make them three or you have to bump them out of the playoff completely, which, which is almost, gonna... that, that's almost like mind-blowing to think that they, they might never actually do that. Like not make it. I think Saban would literally have an aneurysm if that happened. Um, so I think Georgia won Bama two. Yeah. Cause they want that. We agree scenario. on that. Yeah. Cause I put Bama two. Ohio state three for sure. Yeah. I guess I got to go Cincinnati four, even though I'm still not sold. None of us are, but they're undefeated. And then Michigan six and Notre Dame five. And then, oh, let's be real. The, this the, the 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 ranking between Ohio State and Michigan matters exactly zero until the end of next week anyway because the winner of that but goes that in. that that's my point that was my point with Baylor and Oklahoma State Baylor has already beaten Oklahoma Oklahoma State has to prove that that's my point no but I mean but the, like this they're they're the ranking between Oklahoma or o- Ohio State and uh, I'm sorry Ohio State and Michigan matters exactly zero until next until week. that that's what I'm yeah. saying it but, doesn't matter until that point yes but the fact that they're six is a big deal because if yeah. they're if they're eight then they still like even if they beat Ohio State they might only go up to five 
Yeah. But if they're six and they win, then they're top four easy. Without a doubt, yes. So that's why. And uh, no, no, I think that, they that kept game, the game matters. On, and honestly, that game against Michigan State that they lost, they got re. They had a really bad call go against them that kind of turned the game around, and they kept it close. Other than that, so it's not like it was a like a complete blowout like Ohio State did against Michigan State. Well, it's Michigan State and Michigan. It will yeah. never be a blowout, but so, they still lost. Sure. At the end of the day, it's a loss is a loss. Again, I'm fully expecting Ohio State to come out and do the exact same thing to Michigan that yes. they did to Michigan State. Yes. That's uh, that's what I'm expecting. But I think the level of talent Michigan has had to play so far is better than the level of talent that Baylor and Oklahoma State has had to play because, again, I don't think Oklahoma is that good. Me neither. So, but they were high-ranked, and the committee had them at five for a while. Yes. Which so that's we both why agreed was awful. Yeah, we, we both awful, agreed awful was awful, choice. but th- that's what I'm saying. Baylor beat them when they were at number five. Yes. All right, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that they, if they faced Michigan tomorrow, could beat them. But I'm just saying, as of now, Baylor has shown to be an impressive team. And that that's just where I'm going with this here. Yeah. My So, my main... So, here's the deal. Yeah. This this weekend, I I think this weekend basically kind of determines the. This is the last big weekend of games. I mean, obviously you have conference championship and you have Bama, but like Georgia, regular season, but type. like regular season, this is the last week that kind of like makes any kind of difference. Yeah. Um. And I think the fact that Cincinnati is going to be number four going into this week, yeah, is a big deal for them because. Obviously, if Ohio State wins, they stay at four. Yep. Um, but if Michigan wins, then they still the fact that they're number four. I don't think they'll go to three. I think I think if they win, Michigan will jump up. Yeah, Michigan. Yeah, I think Michigan, Michigan will jump, jump up, up to three, and Cincinnati will stay four because Cincinnati's playing. Well, I guess. Uh, well, why don't we take a look at the rest of the yeah uh, the rest of the games for the top twenty five so we can kind of get a good idea of it. Uh, Cincinnati's playing East Carolina. Oh, your favorite school. What? <laughs> Actually, one of my former football coaches did go to East Carolina. Shout out, Coach Davis. I, I remember that about you, you little pirate. Um, But, yeah, so they play East Carolina, and then they'll play in the American Athletic Conference Championship against um, right now. I don't think anything's lined up for sure. Can they just get the? Can they just win the game by forfeit? Because no one cares about that game. Uh, except- right now, Well, right now they play number 19, Houston. Eh. Which would be, I mean, if I mean, it, it sounds if there's good, anything but... that would secure their spot, it, it would, would be, be the American Athletic Conference Championship against Houston. Who yeah, is currently eight and zero. Yeah, or ten and one, but eight and zero in conference. Yeah, now that is impressive, eight and zero in conference. So, this game, right in terms of regular season, yeah, I mean, Cincinnati, East Carolina doesn't really mean anything. Uh. Um, Georgia is playing. Oh, Georgia's playing Georgia Tech, so... Hey, hey, the, that game's always a dogfight. Uh, we thought the same thing about Notre Dame, too, and Notre Dame just went, um, <laughs> y'all can just wait until next week and try again. Well, you know, we'll see if they can try it again. True. They may fail, but <laughs> uh, we'll see. Game of the week, obviously. Michigan. Yep. Um, Baylor at home against Tech, probably a win, I would say. Baylor at home against Tech is a win, yeah. Um, Alabama-Auburn. Now, see, this now- this game could trip you up because it's the Iron Bowl and it's on the road. At Isn't Auburn. Auburn ranked like it's like no? 
Okay. Yeah, I, they're six and five, three six, and four. The SEC. Fair but enough. You have. To but go. I thought Auburn had a crazier things have happened in the. That's Iron my. Bowl. But that's my point. See, no, no. We we got a, We got like three big games in my opinion. Okay. Georgia, Georgia Tech, in my opinion, because that's always a dog fight. Okay. Even though I agree with you, they'll probably beat them up and blow them out. But still, it's always a dog fight, and you never know what could happen. Definitely Ohio State, Michigan, but Auburn and Alabama, always, always a dog fight, regardless. Well, don't forget about the fourth big game, and that's OU you and Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State. State. I knew the Battle of Bedlam was, so, was, was, yeah, we got some big games coming some, up. There's some big games, and like those will basically determine... I think it'll determine more this week than it will next week. Yeah. About who goes into what because, yeah, the conference football or the conference championships are kind of sort of a big deal depending on. Really, I think the only one that's a big deal is Bama versus Georgia. Bama and Georgia will be the biggest game. Um, Everything else will be like, eh. Because right now, so let's take a look, I guess, at perspective. Yeah. um, Conference championships. So we talked about Cincinnati and Houston, which could be interesting to – Cement the spot. It'll be interesting to watch. Um, Big 12 right now. Uh, wait, do they still do a conference championship game for the Big 12? Okay. Um, it's So you have Oklahoma and Oklahoma State at the top right now at 7-1 and one with Baylor at 6-2 and two in conference right behind them. Yeah. And I don't know who has the tiebreaker. I assume if, o- if Oklahoma State beats Oklahoma, Baylor would have the tiebreaker in head-to-head yep. over Oklahoma, so you'd end up with Oklahoma State versus Baylor. Yep. Which maybe if Oklahoma State's going to, they're going to need a lot of help, but if they're going to make a run, if you beat Oklahoma and then beat Baylor in the conference championship again, it's uh, okay, it's not that's out kind of, of a question. That, that's a big deal. It's no, not let, let's not overlook that because I know the Big Twelve gets a lot of flack for not being strong strong enough. That's a big deal because you beat are you already beat Baylor. And then you, then hopefully, because I want them to, you beat Oklahoma. Then you beat Oklahoma. Then you beat Baylor again. That would be a big deal, and nobody could deny that. Yeah. Um, I still think they would need help. They would need Michigan. To yeah, win. no, that they, they would and need they, help. Because so right now in the Big Ten, uh, the East is going to go to the winner of Ohio State versus Michigan this week. Yeah. And then in the West, it'll be. Looks like Wisconsin. Oh God! Um, either Wisconsin or Iowa. Ugh. Currently, right now, Wisconsin holds the tiebreaker, and I don't think they play each other this week. God, so. I don't want to see Wisconsin uh, in another Big Twelve, so Big Ten championship Oklahoma game. Oklahoma State is going to have to basically win out. Yes. Have Michigan beat Ohio State. Yeah. And then have whoever wins the West beat Michigan. Now, do you see why I put Baylor there? I'm yes. not saying it's going to be easier for them either, but listen, to all no. that. That no, that's a lot of help needed to get up there. That's the that's little, if that they is, beat OU. It is a lot, and everything else falls into place. Um, Conference USA, the Roadrunners are going to win that one. Who cares? Um, uh, oh, the Pac-12. Uh, you have Quack Quack the Ducks versus the Utah Utes in a potential rematch in the conference championship, um, which means exactly zero for top four, I believe. Nope. Um. And then Bama is currently leading the SEC West and Georgia the East. Uh, I guess if Alabama loses, no, surely they hold a tiebreaker over Ole Miss, right? They played they played yeah. Ole Miss already. I think so. I don't think they have yet. 
I don't know what the tiebreaker exactly would be. It's gonna be Bama and Georgia. That. It's gonna be Bama and but Georgia. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. So, yeah, I think this this week uh, is gonna be the big, the back, big, the big, 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 big week for who's gonna go into the top four. And uh, I mean, again, if you're if you're at five six right now in the committee's rankings when they get released tonight, you're hoping that Michigan wins. And you're hoping that Cincinnati loses because yeah. really, I don't, I just don't think Cincinnati, I don't think Bama, even if they lose to Georgia, as long as it's somewhat competitive, I just don't think that. The only way Bama doesn't make it in is if they get absolutely smashed, smashed exploded, yeah, like 56-0 type, <laughs> which I just don't see happening. No, no. Even when you said that, I laughed. Yeah. I had to chuckle. Because, so. no, Bama, no. Nick Saban will personally go out on the <laughs> field. And line up against Georgia himself if they get blown out fifty six to nothing. So I I think Georgia Bama is safe is a lock. Yep. Ohio State, not gonna call it a lock, but I would put it at seventy five percent chance. Yeah. Because if they beat dude, you really could put it at eighty five. Let's be honest. They, if they beat Michigan, they're gonna smash whoever comes out of the other side of the of the uh, Big Ten. Although <laughs> like you know it is college football, anything could happen. But if uh... I was a betting man, I would bet right now on. Bama, Georgia, yes. Ohio State, and Cincinnati. Yeah, it pains me to say, because I think they're going to come. Dude, can you? If Cincinnati stays at number four and they play Georgia, that's going to be great. They're going to get run over, but I think so too. But here's the thing: I just what happens if Cincinnati wins? The entire internet and college football committee playoff. Every college football fan will explode. They will what happens if Cincinnati? Combust. Turns college football into the probabilities of college basketball, where any team in any conference can win the national championship. Here, here's the deal, though: this expansion that they're pushing, yeah, a lot of how many teams go in could ride on how Cincinnati does. That's what I'm saying. Because if they go and win, yep, then all these group of five conferences, yeah, will go. We can compete. Yeah, make it 16 teams. Yep. And let's do four. Yeah, make it 16, and it's four weeks of of college football playoff. Yep. Which I am perfectly fine with because that takes care of some of the uh, Cracker Jack Bowl. And, oh, yeah. Uh, well, because I think like the, the best time for college football is not, and I hate to say this because it's involving my favorite month, but like when, when college football hits December, it's teams playing. You know, like I remember growing up and the only game that was on was the Richmond Spiders versus, I think, what was it, St. Mary? So it was just one of those things where it was like, when when you get old, when when the season gets long in the tooth, it it, it, it turns into you know, it turns into paste. But um, so no, I I would be perfectly fine with that, and that's what I'm saying. If Cincinnati's able to prove, oh, you guys thought we were losers, no, we can really do this, and we can win and become national champions. That would flip college football on its head, especially since Cincinnati would be going to the Big Twelve. Cincinnati winning could change the landscape of college football because they with them going to the Big 12 that means the Big 12 it, it won't be immediate but that means the Big 12 would have the former national champions and not raining cuz it's going to take a while are they going next year or is it like Texas where it's going to be like eh it's going to be like a uh, couple I think years it's out 2023 is yeah. the earliest yeah yeah so they would have the uh they would have former national champions recent and that would be huge, man. And like you said, these smaller schools would definitely come out of the woodwork. 
So hey, man, they they all better cheer for Cincinnati. Ride the Bearcat wave, man. I just ride the Bearcat I, I just wave. Get this itch that Cincinnati would get in. Then and you just, need some cream. They they would be like they'd come out with some swagger, get punched in the mouth by Georgia, and would never financially recover from that. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, well, because but, but, that's the thing. That's what we would expect. But I'm telling you, man. It is college sports. College sports. Crazy stuff happens in college sports. Well, I'm looking forward to this weekend of games. I uh, me too. I got Saturday off from work. Um, I'll, I'll be I'll be like board hopping, but I got Saturday off from work, so I'm gonna be like <laughs> watching all of these games just to see what happens. And then next week, we get to take a look at it again. Yep. And talk about conference championships coming up and how that's gonna look. And I'm really looking forward to that. So that'll do it for college football. Don't go anywhere, though, because we got to talk about uh, the saddest event from Sunday. And that oh, was, God. That was the Cowboys' uh, disappearing act for the second time in three games. So don't go anywhere. We'll take a look at that coming up next. Welcome back to the main events. Brian Baldwin, Mason Shepard, still here, still talking sports, still lamenting the Cowboys and their inability to figure it out. I don't even know what you're talking about. I didn't even want to watch the game. I don't know what you're talking about, man. That was uh, concerning, to say the least, I think, um, looking over the game. It's hard. It wasn't embarrassing like the Denver was. Denver was humiliating. What, what the Kansas City game was, it opened a lot of eyes to Dallas's problems as we're moving in closer to playoff season. Um, our offensive line played like trash. They got That beat. was the worst part of the game, in my opinion. They got beat up and down the line. The, the offensive line was terrible. And, um, you know, Dak didn't play well. And But again, when your offensive line sucks, I don't know... I, I don't know what else you would expect. Oh, he missed some bad. No, he missed throws. some and very bad passes, and it, he overshot some people. But again, drops. Yes, Cedric. Well, I'm telling you, his stock is going down the more balls he keeps dropping. Because if he wants his stock to go up, and and if he wants to be perceived as more valuable, he's got to catch those passes, man. There's no excuse for that. And I think with Dak, yeah, he didn't play well. But again, when your offensive line can't protect you yet, you're probably going to overshoot some people. And here's... Defense, First, I, defense I've got no complaints. Oh, they sure. held Patrick Mahomes if, to 19 points. Yeah, if you told me that we'd hold the Chiefs to 19 points, I'd be like, done. Because you and I predicted 35-32. Yep. yep. And if you, like I said, if you told me that we would hold the Chiefs to 19 points, I'd say it's a done deal and the Cowboys yeah. were 8-2. and two. Um, But I think there's... This lies squarely on the offensive side of the ball. 100%. And, and the coaching. Because the Chiefs basically said, we are going to line up in a formation that's going to take away the run and dare you to throw it. See, I And instead of the Cowboys matching that and saying, oh yeah, watch this, they did exactly what the Chiefs wanted them to do. They only ran the ball 16 times all game. Yeah, um, sixteen to forty-three passing plays. Yeah, we I w- was not expecting that, but I will say this: Zeke and Pollard have only, you know, probably combined for about eighty-four yards in these last few games, anyway. 
So because they've they've only rushed like 48, 50, whatever. This was eighty two yards on sixteen. Yeah, no, five point no, one th- yards a carry. That's what I'm saying. No, no, I'm agreeing with you in the sense of the Chiefs made a plan to make Dak, you know, throw it, and that was how they were going to have to beat him. Which, when you're one dimensional in football, anyway, that's a bad idea. Yep. But I, I'm just making the point that the run game, it wasn't like they were busting 100 yards a carry. I'm not blaming them. It was an no. important part of the game. But I'm just saying, you know, if you looked at the numbers, you wouldn't be able to tell that was a big deal. Nope. But the Cowboys are undefeated since yeah. bringing on Dak and Zeke when they run the ball more than pass it. Yeah. And I wouldn't have such a big deal with it. It's not like the game was never out of hand. No. Right? Ne- Dallas had multiple opportunities to yes. win that and game. It's, so, like, even coming out of the second half. They were only down sixteen to three. That's what I'm saying. They, they had multiple opportunities, yes, and to the win. coaching staff said no. They they basically, the Chiefs said, "You ain't gonna do this." And instead of going, "Oh yeah, watch this," or challenging them, the coaching staff basically backed off. They were they yeah. They were like, "Okay, fine," and they tried to beat him through the air because we are conservative, Dallas. And Dak threw two picks and yeah. had a fumble. Yeah. And again, part of that is because the line was not giving him time, but those picks were bad. Those picks were really, really bad. One of them, it got tipped. I can't really blame. One of them got tipped. That second one? No. That Here's the deal, though. I know it got tipped, but I'm not so sure that that defense back was not going to undercut that anyway. No, I saw where he was. No, but th- see, that's the thing. I will agree with you on that because I saw it. As soon as it left his hand, I was like, it's going to be picked. And I, yeah. it didn't even cut to the part of the screen where the guy was. I was just like, with the trajectory yeah. on that ball. It was going to get And picked. I couldn't even tell it was tipped until they said, no, it got mm-hmm. tipped. So, no, I agree with you. That guy was going to undercut it anyway. But I will say that, you know, as far as Dak and his performance goes, um, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't good. It wasn't even average. It, it, was, pretty, it was pretty gruesome. But at the same time, you know, I, I, you have to blame all the members of the offense because with, with I, I, this is what I think. I think Dallas scores on some of these drives where we get these first downs and Cedric Wilson, poof, drops the ball. Noah Brown, poof, dropped the ball. And this is the problem, okay? And this falls on Amari Cooper, too. If Cooper had been honest— and done what what he needed to do for the sake of his team, I don't think we lose that game. Now, I know that's crazy to think, especially after how the line played, but I just think when you have someone who's reliable in Amari Cooper, because we lost CeeDee Lamb, and that was bad enough, but I just think when you have someone who's reliable like Amari Cooper, and before Lamb goes out and after, you are able to get something going. Because let's face it, Dak having to rely on Schwartz. Schultz. Sh- yeah. After the way the game was played, does it really matter what his name is? Hey, he was the leading receiver on the That's team that day. That's my point. Man. They don't survive in games where Schultz is the leading receiver. It doesn't matter whether it's Schultz or Jarhead or doesn't matter. It's they don't survive. That receiving core played horrible. And yes, I know Dak overshot a lot of people, but. You, you put Cooper in that game. Because let's face it, the Chiefs' defense has gotten better, and they've become one of the best defenses right now. Yeah, but, that's, no, but that's what I'm saying. It's not like they were all-time that good. Dallas could have won, but we didn't have the pieces or the discipline. And the thing with Dallas for me was the penalties were so consistent. It was 
false start here, holding here. And if there's one thing I know about Dallas, they can't rebound after a holding call or anything. If they get a first down and a penalty brings it back, they're done. It is very tough for any team to come back from. But a lot of teams kind of... still manage to do it. Dallas, they shut down. They're like they're, they're like your child when you yell at them. They shut down. Um, I, I've, I've mentioned my displeasure about McCarthy before on multiple shows. Yeah. And let me tell you that I wouldn't, mm, the clock management, first of all, I've always had an issue with McCarthy's clock management. Yeah. And honestly, I think that interception, uh, right before the end of the first half, I think that's squarely on McCarthy. You have really, th yes, 30, you, you're down to. You you catch the ball, get the first down, big play. You have two time two timeouts still. Yeah, thirty three seconds left when you snap the. Take a timeout. Stop the clock. Yeah, and just kind of reset. Yeah, you can't take them with play. you. Yeah, and instead, and and maybe if you know if you're gonna work the middle of the field, on like a crossing route or something, and you want to hold on to that timeout, that's fine. But the play was for CD to go up the sideline in an all or nothing. If you're gonna do that, take a timeout. Yeah. Stop the clock. And instead, what happens? It's a bad play call. It's perfectly covered. Dak underthrows it. It's picked off. And CD bangs his head so hard he's concussed, which that looked, I mean, I've had that happen before. That's that's definitely And see, the that problem hurts. with CD's concussion is he's got to be under concussion protocol for three days. At least, yeah. At but least. But we, and we play on Thanksgiving. So, I, so I'm putting him at extremely doubtful to come back yeah. in time. Yeah, so it's one of those things where it's like, so the clock, yeah, the clock management threw me off there, and then yep. let me let me get your opinion on this one. Yeah, so you're down three to sixteen. Yeah, your first drive of the second half. Yeah, fourth and five at the twelve. McCarthy has shown that he is perfectly fine going for it on random fourth downs. You know, before. I I brought this up when I was talking to my dad about it. I brought it up, but my dad made a good point. And, I, and I'm giving him credit here on the program. Dallas's offensive line had already proven by by the first half they they are not good enough. And I think my dad made a good point to where it's like if your own line is not good enough to keep you protected and you try to go for it on fourth down, if you fail, then you're just giving Patrick Mahomes fantastic field position. I get your point because that was the point that I made. I was like, well, Mike McCarthy show, has shown no hesitation to go for it on a 4th and 11 before, but he won't go for it in some of these close 4th downs. But I have to agree with the point that my dad made in that if your offensive line has already shown they can't get the job done, going for it on 4th down is a much bigger risk but, than it already is. And I would agree, except for this drive, they started off with a 33-yard run by Elliott. Yeah. Uh, an incomplete pass from Dak, a yeah. completed pass for 17 yards, yeah. another run for 12 yards, yeah. and then two more incomplete passes. So no yeah. sacks. I think one of those was a drop by Michael Gallup, which would have yeah. been a touchdown, I think. Um, so your line on this drive has been good. And also, by the way, you've got two runs for 55 yards in this drive, and then you're going to come out on second and five. Or sorry, uh, the second one was five yards. But still, 38 yards on two runs in this drive, and you come out and pass, pass. I was, uh, what do you want? You just ran for 38 yards? Run it again. Why are we doing two passes? This is not, a, Dallas is a run first team. Or they should be. 
it's baffling to figure out why this coaching staff can't figure it out. Because Mike McCarthy has always worked with pass-first quarterback. But Kellen Moore is calling the plays. This is the thing. And this is, oh, by the way, this yeah. is perfect Kellen Moore territory yeah. for him to pull out all of his jumbo sets and all this here and, all, you know, reverses and all this stuff. This is on fourth and five from the opponent's 12. This is the time for Kellen Moore to pull something out because a touchdown here completely changes the pace of the game. It's now 16 to 10 instead of 16 to 6. And then they proceed to the Cowboys then proceed to punt, field goal, punt, interception. So they get three more points after that and never see the end zone. So a 16 to 10 game here, maybe after that, maybe they feel comfortable running the ball more on the next few drives. Maybe they don't have to pass it. But I was just it was it's baffling to see, and this is now a second game in a, a second two out of three games where the Cowboys have not managed to put up like any kind of offense except for the garbage time in against yeah. Denver, and I'm not counting that. So I wouldn't. I'm I'm baffled as to how people can think that this is going to be a team that is going to go far in the playoffs with this kind of performance. I know every team has their bad games, but. Injuries are not an excuse. Aaron Rodgers went on a short week, and I hate Aaron Rodgers. We talked about yes, this. Yes, during the most hated. <laughs> I don't like Aaron Rodgers. Yes. But he went on a short week to Arizona, down three of his top weapons, and got out of there with a win in Arizona. You can't tell me that Amari Cooper, may, uh, he would have made a difference, but when you're getting paid $75 million this year, find a way, Dak. Hit your targets. Kellen Moore, Mike McCarthy. You guys are the ones who are supposed to be leading us, figure it out, and get in the end zone. It's not acceptable anymore if you're going to be a playoff team. And look out, because the Eagles won big. No, that's what I that's what I saw. The Washington football team. Washington is, football is, team is, is won. The good. Giants have won and the Eagles won. So yeah. Giants no, lost to the Bucks. Giants but, lost yeah. to the Bucks, but still, you but know, it's th- one this, of those things Dallas this, could lose this, their division. This division again. is not wrapped up by any means. No. And you've got a short week. With no Amari, and then we've probably, got o- we've got yeah. Oakland, and then we have our yep. division games coming up. Yes, then we got, got the Saints, Saints the following Thursday, and then we play Washington. And three of those games are on the road. We yeah. played exactly zero division road games, so you're going to Washington. Yep. To the Giants. Yep. Back home against Washington. Yep. Oh, by the way, then you have the Cardinals. Yep. And then you have uh, the Eagles in Philadelphia. Yeah. This division is not wrapped up. No. Nope. And there's bye week's gone. There's no time to figure it out anymore. Nope. It is way past time to be figured out 10 games into the season. Wow, Ryan, you, you seem a little angry there, bud. I, I, I just, it, it's 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 baffling to me to see a team like this that on paper, like this offense, and uh, even the stats say this offense is one of the best offenses in football. See, that that I hate when Dallas gets in a position where, like, this is the best this in the NFL because they never play like it when it counts. And I think— yes. This my my problem with the game. My problem with the game was I feel like Dallas went out there and they they laid down because when Dallas went out offensively speaking, when they because I agree with you in the sense of the offense did not put up a fight whatsoever. That's on the coaching because the coaching wasn't brave enough, and, and they, they offense performed underwhelmingly. And I think it's one of those things where it's just like you can't rest on your laurels. I'm not saying that's what they did because they didn't play like that. Because I've seen, we've seen Dallas when they rest on their laurels and they get stomped. Denver. Exactly. 
What happened here was the simple case of Dallas was just simply, honestly, they were outcoached. And yep. they they did not play with intensity. And see, that's what, I, that's what I'm saying. When Dallas plays with intensity, they can whip anybody. But it, they, but they, there is none when the coach, like I, I'm agreeing with you. When the coach wants to play it safe and they're on the opponent's 12 and all right, we're just going to punt all that stuff. There is no intensity in that. Well, not just that, but we heard all week, oh, this would be a marquee victory to go into Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs. This yeah. would be a marquee victory. And, and it would have been. But where'd you go? Because you obviously didn't make it to the stadium for this marquee victory, this marquee matchup. Y'all obviously couldn't get together. Mike McCarthy obviously is not the one that's going to motivate the team. No. So that means it falls to the people in the locker room. Is it Dak? Yeah. It would it would seem so from hard knocks, but he yeah. didn't show up either now in two games. So where does this team figure out where to get their intensity? Because, again, you're running out of time to figure it out and find out where it's going to come from because the Eagles are coming. Yeah. The Washington football team is coming. Yep. Your schedule does not get easier. It gets harder, really. Because, I mean, the Raiders, yeah, they've been beat, but Derek Carr will take a game off you if you're not careful. Well, even then, I mean— Dallas has lost because that the Raiders are still in the AFC West with Kansas City, the Chargers, and the Broncos. Yeah. So, and Dallas has lost to two of those teams. Yes, and squeaked out a win against the Chargers, That's by my the way. point. So the AFC West teams can beat Dallas. We've already seen that. Yeah. So, no, o Oakland is not a steamroll. No. Neither will the Saints. Not yet. The Saints will take a game off if you're not careful. Yes. And then because they'll probably have Alvin Kamara back as well. Yeah. And then you have Washington in Washington, and Washington is playing football. If they even if they don't win, they are competing with these teams that they're playing. And by, yeah. and the Eagles have stomped the last couple games. Yep, they made the Saints look like I I don't even know where that came from. Um, and then yeah, the Giants are the Giants kept pace for a little bit with the Bucks. Yeah, they're still figuring out. They still have injuries, but. If you go in there like you did against the Broncos and against the Chiefs, you're going to get beat. Yeah, especially with that being division. I was looking at the game last night and after uh, at the Giants last night going like, there's a chance the Cowboys don't even win the division. Yeah, there is. And if you don't, you're. I mean, the wild card in the NFC is so tight. Oh, yeah. That if you lose the division and you go 2-4 and four in the division for, like by losing the, or out, even if you go 3-3, three and three, you may not get in there. Nope. You may not get in there with the with with six losses on your record in the in the wild card. No, you you won't. With it is extremely losses, tight. No, you won't. So yeah, I am. As <laughs> the reason I'm so heated is because all signs looked like this was a team that had figured it out, and after 20 years of seeing mediocre Cowboys teams, 25 really, I was like, okay, finally some life to this team. It looks like things are moving back in the right direction. And they baited me. They did. I blame myself. That's why they, I'm mad. Oh, so that's why because you're mad. Because I knew you better. you put faith in your team and they let you down. I, that's why you're mad. Because I knew better. You knew Cowboys better. Because the Cowboys do this. They do Cowboy things. Yes. And they screw around during the regular season and they lose or they get bounced in the first round of the playoffs because they could have done things during the regular season to make them win. But no, they do Cowboys things and they oh, for the past 25 years and I mad at myself for believing that it was different this time. That's, because right now, it looks like it's not any different. No, and I think that's the point. You know, I, I, Dallas is looking very 
very scared. They're looking like they're about to be the eight and eights again. And and I think when it comes down to, even though eight and eight's not possible, but I'm just saying, what what it comes down to is just Dallas. Like, I agree with you. Dallas has to wake up. Everybody in that organization, not not Jerry. Please leave him asleep. But you know, the coaching staff has to wake up. The players have to wake up. And Dak has to know he can't perform like he's done these last, um, the last two games in these three game series. He can't perform like this because he is the leader. And and I think we've seen it when Dak doesn't play well, the team doesn't play well. No. So Dallas has a lot to fix, and they better take time on Thanksgiving to fix it. Well, uh, again, you're you're down Amari. You're probably down CD. Oh, you know, um, no, CD's out. I, I can say that. Uh, Tyrone Smith is listed as questionable. Can we I please just put him on the sidelines forever? If he. he I mean, that's the way it's looking right now. He spends more time on IR than he does on the field. Uh, pretty sure we won't have um, Demarcus Lawrence again. Um, Ezekiel Elliott returned to practice as a full participant today, so theoretically we'll get him. Uh, Tyrone Smith was upgraded full portation as well after he was limited, so that's possible. I guess. Um, but C.D. Lamb did not practice today. Cedric Wilson fully practiced, and Donovan Wilson did not practice from the shoulder. But it, so, I mean, the Demarcus Lawrence wasn't on, and uh, uh, Randy Gregory, Gregory weren't weren't listed on the injury report last week either. Neither of them played. Nope. So, if you're going into a game against the Raiders without all of these teams, and the Raiders have beaten good teams, they thrashed Baltimore. Yeah. They they will they are a team that will come in and they will ruin your Thanksgiving if you let them. So the question is, will Dallas let them? That's the question. So all I'm trying to say is, Cowboys, figure it out, please. Just I don't get word to the wise. One way or Ryan Baldwin. One way or another, either start collapsing so I can just come to terms with the fact that we're the Cowboys again and we're going to collapse <laughs> as usual, or figure it out and start winning. But let you will not hear me. Believe in these Cowboys again until they prove it. That is so they ba- they basically have to already have the ring on. That you like that, and even then the Cowboys like could like wow. the Cowboys could lose the rings on the way to the <laughs> ceremony. And he I'd be said, like, "See, I told you. He said, I told you the Cowboys were doing it. But at least, but at least they'll have the trophy. <laughs> at least they'll have the trophy. Oh, gosh, the Cowboys. Unfortunately, we're gonna Ryan. Have to let's talk move about... on before you blow a gasket. Oh, we're gonna have an aneurysm. Let's move to the next topic, yeah. folks. Ryan Ryan Baldwin is about to go out. As a matter of fact, I think I'll take over from here, folks. Don't go away. Stay with us. We'll be coming back with our top ten Mount Rushmore. We're well, not top ten. Top four Mount Rushmore NFL running backs. Don't go anywhere. This is the main event. Welcome back to the main event. Ryan Baldwin and Mason Shepard. Yo! Now, moving on to our Mount Rushmore series, detailing running backs in the NFL. Mason, I've gone first the past couple of weeks. So yeah, then jacked my picks. <laughs> and jacked them. Only em. a couple of them. Jacked them. Really, it was just the one. It was just, Yeah, it was just this, the one. We agreed on Jordan and LeBron. Yeah. Well, so lead um, it off for us. My Mount Rushmore, uh, Jim Brown. Uh, Jim Brown, my dad's actually favorite NFL player of all time. Jim Brown, 
he had defensive players scared to to tackle him because he they knew when we play against Jim Brown, he's going to rough me up and he's going to bust my nose up and he's going to hurt my jaw and he's going to run through me. Jim Brown really invented trucking because he invented the idea of I'm going to run through you. I'm not going to try to juke you. I'm not going to try to stiff arm you. I'm going to run through you. And Jim Brown is a patriarch, uh, is, is, is a is a is a leading figure in the game, and he really was just that that guiding figure. And I really think that when you look at Jim Brown's legacy, he's left a trail of broken noses and you know <laughs> bloody faces. <laughs> Excuse me, but he's also um, he's also just kind of um, he's a trailblazer too. Again, being a black athlete in a time where they weren't really celebrated or encouraged Jim Brown was really someone special and that was his style of running is something I don't think could be replicated today like we see it modern like with Derrick Henry but you're never going to see a player get up and their nose is hanging off their face so they're just just busted up well, from face masks are much yeah, smaller yeah, no, no, I know, so I know that has something to do with the face masks, but still, it's just it's the physicality of right. Jim Brown. So that that's the the number one. Number two, Twinkle Toes. Um, Barry Sanders was revolutionary for a few reasons. If you want to talk about speed and finesse, Barry Sanders had it's in the name Twinkle Toes, magic in his feet, man. This guy could turn a a 80-yard loss into like a 30-yard gain. And I think the great thing about Barry Sanders was because what also made him revolutionary in the sense of um, when he saw Detroit wasn't going anywhere, he just said, okay, I've made my money, I'm done. Mm -hmm. Because it's obvious. And I think that's revolutionary in sports because, you know, we have all these players like, yeah, I'm on a losing team, but I'm going to stick it out until I feel like I can't play anymore. Barry was like, no, if I can't win, then I can't play anymore because I want to win. And when he was like, okay, Detroit's not going to win, I'm done. And I think that's revolutionary in that. That's what my cousin Calvin Johnson did when he saw Detroit wasn't going to win, uh, as well as injuries he had had lingering. He was like, you know, I'm just done. Because I think he and Barry both played nine years. So, um, and plus, like I said, when you watch Barry Sanders on the field, now we just got through talking about power and physicality with Jim Brown, speed and finesse, really a lot more finesse. With Barry, with Barry Sanders, he was just an, an incredible, incredible running back, and there will never be uh, another Barry Sanders, and there will never be another. My third pick, Emmett Smith. Emmett Smith um, was a combination. He was um, well. I, I'm gonna save that for my last one. But Emmett Smith was still. He was like Emmett Smith was like, in my opinion, the best version of a hybrid back in the sense of he had the speed, he had the strength. But he also had the speed, and he he proved how valuable he was when the Cowboys wouldn't pay him, and he sat out, and we were losing, and they brought him back with Aikman and Irvin, and then we started winning again. Emmett Smith was one of the really greatest minds in football. His football IQ was really high, and his athletic ability was off the charts, but he proved how valuable he was to a team as being a very good team leader. You don't really hear any off-the-field bad stories about Emmett Smith, really. And I think that in a time where, you know, Michael Irvin had his problems and Troy Aikman didn't really have problems, but, you know, he was quarterback of the America's team, so we know he did some stuff. Not trying to defame Troy Aikman, I'm just saying. With Emmett Smith, it was more of, I'm here to play football, I'm here to win football games, I'm determined, I'm focused, I'm motivated. 
let's put it to it. And Emmitt Smith just proved to be such a valuable asset, and he was such a fantastic running back. Um, now, as far as combination of having great speed but dominating power, I'm going to go modern here. I'm going to go from my childhood. Adrian Peterson. Okay. Adrian Peterson was, when I was growing up, the most dominant running back in football because this was someone was like, you didn't want him to run over you because it would hurt very, very bad. And face masks were still improved drastically since then, but it would hurt. But you didn't want him, you didn't want to let him get past you. Adrian Peterson was the perfect example of a running back where defenders were confused because they were like, I don't want to let this guy get by me because he's got such great speed. He will leave me in the dust, but I don't want to go in front of him because he will run me over and it will hurt. What do I do? And then, you know, so, um, you know, I think Adrian Peterson will be in a hall of fame because he's broken records. He's proven, um, how to really just be dominant. I think that's what makes Adrian Peterson stand out when he was on the field. It was dominance. Um, you could talk about the other running backs at that time, like a Reggie Bush or a um, what, what was another good running back in the two thousand Marshawn Lynch. Um, I'm trying to think more 2009, 2010 type. Frank Gore is Frank vastly Gore. Frank Gore. I, I, if this was top five, I would put Frank Gore on there too. He's vastly Frank, underrated. No, Frank Gore, in my opinion, is a Hall of Famer. He's third all time. Yep. And not to mention the most durable running back I've ever seen because mm -hmm. he's played for 15 seasons. And he's, but he's been consistent. It's like it wasn't like Matt Forte when he played with the Jets. Frank Gore's been consistent, and I think that's great. But no, um, so that that's my it's it's uh, Jim Brown, Barry Sanders, uh, Emmett Smith, Adrian Peterson. I like that list. That's a solid list. Um, for me, having to, uh, and as we've talked before, my criteria usually are I want people who change the way the game was played or who changed how. The position was played, which was a little harder to do with running yeah. backs because running backs are mostly running back for the, <laughs> the history of of the NFL. Yeah, you have your power and your speed, but the base concept for much of football was I'm going to stick the ball in your gut and you're going to run it upfield. Yeah. Um. So I don't think you can have a Mount Rushmore without Jim Brown and Emmitt Smith. I am 100% with you there. Jim Brown just one of the most, like you said, the most dominating runners to ever run in an era where defense, like passing still was like being popularized in the yeah. modern time. We haven't, we hadn't seen really elite passers. Yet. No, not so yet. Defenses, this was the fifties. Yeah. Defenses were built to stop the run. Yeah. And Jim Brown said, Oh, that's cute. I'm going to average a hundred yards per game. Yeah. Over a hundred yards per game. When you are trying to stop me, yeah. if I put nine in the box, I'm going to run over eight of them and still get like six yards to carry. <laughs> and then Emmett Smith, obviously the all-time leading rusher. The guy was just a freak um, and could do pretty much anything. anything. Um, but the man who really started to turn the game around, in my opinion, and put running backs into kind of the spot where they are now, where they're both pass catchers and backs. The man who made the three down back popular, Marshall Falk. Marshall. Yep. That is very good. Marshall, Marshall Falk, Falk, who is only one of two players in the history of NFL to gain a thousand rushing yards and a thousand receiving, receiving yards, yards. Yep. In the same season, part of the greatest show on turf. Yep. And <laughs> he, Really, like, you know, you have Christian McCaffrey now and all these guys who have to. But before that, 
he was the guy that said no running backs can and should be, be able to do both can and should do both yeah before a Le'Veon bell or a christian mccaffrey it was marshall Falk. and by the way he was a pretty good uh, pass blocker too yeah so this, marshall Falk was very yeah. sturdy yeah he was like the first real three down back where he yeah. was going to be there first second and third down because he was one of the first ones that could both block and come out of the backfield yeah at a consistent rate um so he's my number three very good pick and number four there's so many different ones that you could do here um Ladanian Tomlinson's yep, one. Nope. Walter Payton's another one. Walter Payton. Me and my parents talked about it. Tomlinson, Payton. We mentioned if we're going to talk about changing the game as far as longevity, Frank Gore. Frank you, Gore. You could, you could really. But I, I'm interested. Who'd you put it for? I'm about to okay. pick one for you. <laughs> so this is going to be. I we we can disagree on this one. Okay. But the most freakish athlete to, to play ever running play back. any kind any sport ever. Oh wow! Bo I think I Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson. This man came in and he lit up the field. No, I'm not going to argue with you about Bo Jackson. No, any like he didn't show up to training camp. He didn't condition. He showed up and was such a freakish athlete that he just would go play in the National Football League and then go play in the MLB. And do well And there. do well in both. Yeah. And basically, like, there was no going to training camp for, you know, there wasn't any full-time. No, no. He would just show up, and he would beat everybody on the field just as such a freakish athlete. And also, I mean, you get, you don't see it very rarely now, but you see kind of, you know, in, in uh, you see it more in high school and then sometimes in college, but these multi-sport athletes that yeah. have success. Antonio Gates, who was a basketball player yeah. and Tony a football Gonzalez player. Tony Gonzalez played basketball. Gonzalez, yeah. These guys, I mean, a lot of that Jimmy comes, Graham. A lot of that popularity comes from Bo Jackson. Being, yeah, and even quarterbacks. Uh, if we're going to stick to more football and baseball, yeah, pitchers, Russell yeah, Wilson, yeah. Kyler Murray, Jameis yeah. Winston. All these guys that did multiple sports, they're able to do that because of Bo. Bo Jackson came in and went, "Nah, if you're a good enough athlete, you can do both. You can do both." So, no, I, no, he didn't really change the game. As, like, I mean, I would argue that the ability he didn't change. He changed the game off the field yes. because he was able to show, hey, you could do both if you yes. want to do both. And that's what a lot of people did. And I would say he's the best athlete to ever do that because oh, Jordan tried to play baseball and he yes. didn't do very I, well. I think Bo Jackson is the most freakish athlete in the history of any sport ever. I think you would have to. OK, see, we can argue about that because I would think you would have to evaluate because you would have to evaluate a lot to say that because I guess, but I mean, it's also if we're including athletes you know me i'm gonna put this in the most freakish athlete that i've ever seen as far as being a freak but able to do everything would have to be yeah. brock lesnar because he was an athlete no 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 don't get me wrong i know about the the steroid and, and that with, with mark hunt i know about that fight but Brock Lesnar is 6'3", 6'4", 290 something was a state was a national champion and this guy can do things that a guy that size should not be able to do with True. that frame yeah, and I, it's insane and i know people like to say lebron is like one of the most freakish athletes as well but like Hell, that's also you could say serena williams in that sense of being a tennis player is not easy yeah. and being able to do it for such a long period of time but even like just how people were back in like it's just kind of the evolution of i mean now 
yes, you have some freaks, but like a lot of them, like when you are know you're athletically gifted now, you are in the gym from like eighth grade on, right? Yeah. Bo didn't really do that. No. He just showed up and and was beat able to everybody. Yeah. In the eighties, back when that was like, you know. That was his workout. That was his playing workout. Football. Well, yeah, his workout for baseball was to go play in the NFL. Yeah, pretty much. So, Jim Brown, Emmett Smith, Marshall Falk, Bo Jackson. Um, yeah, this was a bit harder, but I mean, you, I just it was a you, bit harder, but we went through it a lot faster you, than usual, you, only because it's. And I, I think okay, so so since we went through that pretty quickly, let let's uh, we're not going to do receivers. We're going to do that next week because I don't want to ruin that one. But let's go through Mount Rushmore of of athletes. Like we you, you, we 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 talked about this freak athletes. Um, you're not going to know a lot of these names because I'm pulling them from the wrestling world, folks. But I already said uh, Brock Lesnar because that that is it, man should not be able to do stuff like that. That's that's a problem. Um, definitely would put. I would definitely put LeBron James on there. Six nine, two sixty five, but can jump out of the gym. I mean, of course he's older now, so I, I'm, he's more jumping to the ceiling of the gym, not out of it anymore. <laughs> but um, I would say, as far as um, freak athlete. Um, like like a like a specimen that's kind of insane, Bruce Lee. Bruce, yeah, Bruce Lee. Because and I'm glad you brought that up because Bruce Lee. The thing about Bruce Lee was that Bruce Lee is at was actually one of the strongest human beings alive, and people wouldn't know that by looking at him. Of course, he was shredded. He had a great body, but Bruce Lee was one of the strongest men because Bruce Lee had figured out the secret, which is to work out all of the tension in his body to the point where he had none. I'm not saying this man could have lifted a car, but it was Bruce Lee. And Bruce Lee, that's why when you see him doing those two-finger push-ups, those one-finger push-ups, he was working out the tension mm -hmm. to where he can be able to do stuff like that. So Bruce Lee was an incredible athlete. And trust me, Bruce Lee would be a quadruple-time UFC heavyweight champion if that was around when he was doing stuff. Because uh that's insane. So I'm going to throw out another one here just from doing some quick research. Yeah. I'm not sure how popular this guy is. Uh, Jim Thorpe. Yeah, I, I could see that. Because Jim Thorpe was an Olympian in, in that he did everything. Gold medals in the decathlon, decathlon. and pentathlon. Yeah. So that's 15 events right there. Yeah. So he could run the 100-yard dash in yep. 10 seconds. Yeah. And this is back in 1912. 1912, yeah. So this is not like modern day where these guys are like flying and that's like, oh, 10 seconds. No, no, this was... This was like revolutionary type deal. So he did the 100-yard dash, he did the 220, the yep. 440, the 880, the mile, yep. the 120-yard high hurdles, the 220-yard low hurdles, and he did the long jump, the high jump, the pole vault, the shot put, and the javelin throw, and through the discus. Yep. And he won gold in both the decathlon and the pentathlon. So basically, he was just a freak for that time. I'm not sure how much that holds up then, but I think that counts. Uh, no. If you're able to do that, that 100% counts. Um, also, going back to the rest of Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle with the 1996 Olympics, won an Olympic gold medal in wrestling with a broken neck. Um, and speaking of wrestling, Gable Steveson, national champion at the University of Minnesota and gold medalist in, in the Olympics and um, someone who will be in the WWE 
uh, and will be definitely WWE World Heavyweight Champion there. Uh, you won't know this guy, and but some of the wrestling fans who listen to Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley was uh, uh, medaled in the United States Armed Forces in the Army, wrestled for them, Was had a great career in Bellator. I think he was like 15-2. and two. Um, So, no, there are a lot of athletes that are freaks, but yeah. there are only a few that are special, and I think that accounts for a lot more than people give it credit for. Yes, agreed. Well, Mount Rushmore, another successful one. Yep. Do you want to do receivers next week, or do you want to go over to the defensive side of the ball? No, nah, I think I think we do receivers next week. Receivers next week. All right, Mount Rushmore receivers. Another position that's going to be challenging because again, it's not like uh, it's subjective. Well, and receivers are <laughs> receivers haven't really changed a whole lot. They, I know who I'm putting. I know who I'm putting number one. Oh, I man. know who I'm putting number I one. I bet we agree on a couple more. Though. I think we will. All right. So next, we have our sports adjacent topic. We're going to talk about fans and why sometimes they just get a little too crazy. Yeah, a little and too if crazy, that's a man. Good or a bad thing. We'll come up with that next. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the main event. Ryan Baldwin, Mason Shepard still coming at you with the hot sports takes. And speaking of the main event. Yep. <laughs> I like that. It's a great segue. Uh, Mason, you showed me this video. Yes, I and did. And wanted to talk about this segment. So why don't yes, you tell, I did. Don't so you tell as the everybody is probably aware, because it, it, it's not just me being a wrestling fan and being in a wrestling bubble. It The video has gone viral. It is everywhere. Uh, there's TV in the studio. I saw it up there. Excuse me. ESPN has covered it. So last night, WWE Monday Night Raw. Uh, Seth Rollins, one of the competitors, was leaving the ring after he had uh, defeated Finn Balor. And this was after the Survivor Series pay-per-view. And a fan charged and tackled Seth Rollins on his way up the ramp. And Seth Rollins had him in a front face lock. I won't call it a full guillotine yet, but he had him in a front face lock, which he still could have choked the fan out. But... The referee, uh, the referee kind of was pulling the fan up out of the the front face lock as Seth Rollins was trying to pull him pull him back down, and the fan, you know, was kind of pulling onto Rollins' hair, and uh, he escaped and talked a little bit of trash, dropped some expletives, dropped some f bombs. Ryan dropped a few little f bombs, as I would if I was being attacked <laughs> by a random fan. I'm pretty yeah. sure. <laughs> Please, no random fans tackle me because I I don't think I'd be able to defend myself as well as Seth Rollins. <laughs> I'll teach you some stuff, Ryan. Anyway, so, uh, and, and it has caused some uproar, and it got me thinking, Ryan, we have seen many instances, you know, it's happened in pro wrestling a lot, but to be respectful to you and your lack of knowledge of pro wrestling, uh, you know, um, it has happened in regular sports. We see it in football all the time. I also showed you the Wisconsin coach video where a fan came in, and he dropped him. Mm -hmm. Looked like he uh, took some judo classes or whatever, just dropped him. Um, Ryan, I, I want to come to you with this, because I'm going to give my opinion. But I want to come with come to you with this. Fans' entitlement can get a little bit out of hand, and there are some fans in wrestling and in football. Now, okay, this, this here's the difference: fans will do stupid stuff to get on TV when it comes to football football games. Mm -hmm. Like they'll try to be on TV. Woo! Look at me! I'm wearing a, a fig leaf in front of my thing and whatever, and then they try to get on TV. 
wrestling it's different because fans get upset and they start I mean this I mean cuz everybody's smart to the business now and everybody knows it's a work but back when Austin back in the era of Stone Cold and The Rock Triple H Center, even back then way back with Macho Man and Hogan even way back with George Hackenschmidt you know and Buddy Rogers the original Nature Boy sorry Ric Flair um Fans were jumping to rails to stab them, cut them, shoot them, all this crazy stuff because they didn't, they weren't smart to the business yet. Mm-hmm. So I want to come to you with the question of how do you, how how does this make you feel to know that sometimes fans, it, like I said, I, I'm going to be pretending more to wrestling in a sense, but how does it feel to know that in sports overall, sometimes fans get a little rowdy and decide, you know what, I'm going to make I'm going to make change on the field by jumping in there and uh, okay, excuse me. Let, let's look at it from two perspectives. Because, again, with wrestling, it's because the fans are actually mad at the wrestler or they want to make a name for themselves or they just want to punch the wrestler because they've taken it too seriously. In regular, in, in other sports, in other sports, because wrestling is a sport, folks, in other sports, when fans try to get attention and they're on there, how do, how do, so let's start with one. How do, how does it make you feel when fans disturb a game when they try to run onto the field to get attention? Uh, just so they can be on TV well, and be stupid well, in front of their friends and whatever. So let's be clear. There's a difference between assaulting somebody yeah. like this guy did yeah. and charging the field streaking because <laughs> you're a moron. Yeah. So I guess <laughs> I guess that's my, my answer to that one yeah. is, look, if you are breaking multiple laws just by streaking, first of all, public nudity is basically banned everywhere in the United States. <laughs> And it's uh, it's kind of a selfish thing because really, like, it in the early days, like of the internet, it was like, oh look, this guy was streaking. Now, everybody is desensitized is the wrong word, but like networks are so keyed in on stuff now, and broadcasting technology has caught up so much and advanced so much that you almost never see it anymore. Like there'll be a delay and somebody may say something like the, the, like I think there was one where uh, within the past few years, I believe where there was a fan streaking or running on the field, the cameras never showed him. Nope. And the broadcaster said just at the moment folks. And like, didn't even say why you had to find out on the internet afterwards and nobody named him. Nope. So basically you got none of the attention you were looking for because nope. you didn't get it on TV. No, nope. nobody mentioned your name. No, nope. all you got was a nice jail sentence. Yeah, and uh, and a pretty hefty fine. And a pretty hefty fine. So, like back before or back when the internet was kind of a big deal, or when it was like Sunday Night Football and it was nationally broadcasted, and people weren't quick enough to go like, quick cut to a different camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah kind of funny then you 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 get the attention whatever i still think it's dumb yeah i can see why it's like it's like why do people go cliff diving into rocky oceans why do they jump out of airplanes because some people are thrill seekers and for them that's their their deal and some people are just (laughs) drunk af and one of their friends goes (laughs) wouldn't it be funny if you ran on the field and oh yeah that would be let me go and if so i i think as far as i just want to make this clear folks um Jumping, you, you you know, everybody, you know what a skydiving, you brought that up. You know what a skydiving accident is, Ryan? Death. 
No, skydiving uh, accident is you surviving. That's the accident because you're not supposed to. That's the accident. That that that's the accident. I see. Um, but no, in, in all seriousness, no. You know, um, and from a wrestling perspective, um, now that we're off of fans being idiots trying to get attention, folks, I'm a very diehard professional wrestling fan. I defend it as a sport, even though it's not presented that way, and it should be. It's simulated combat, but, um, folks. Fans, supporters of it, do not run into the ring. Because we just talked about how um, Seth Rollins had this guy in a front face lock and could have easily choked him out. If a, if a referee was not there to pull him up, there's, he could have choked him out right then and right there. There's a long list of people that I would rather charge before I get to a WWE wrestler yes. who's been trained in that kind of thing. Yes, well, because I think the misconception a lot of people have is, oh, it's wrestling, it's scripted, they don't really know things. That is a lie. <laughs> that is a very much lie. Now, they're, I'm not saying every wrestler is a mixed martial artist with a judo background or a jiu-jitsu background, or a catch wrestling background, or an amateur background, but some do. And if you run up on the wrong one, this is a wrestling term, they will stretch you, okay? And this guy was this close to having Seth Rollins not stretch him because he wasn't going to wasn't gonna have, you know, his armpit, you know, touch, touch his ear. But at the same time, um, he was about to choke him out. And he, that guy was lucky that the referee was pulling him up by his stomach because that got the hold loose because he was about to get choked out. And I think it's one of the things we we're talking about, folks, be smart, because if you run into a ring and, you know, thankfully nobody was dumb enough to run into an octagon because I'm pretty sure they would get knocked out legitimately. Um, if you run into a wrestling ring, folks, or if you run onto a football field, you run the risk of really getting hurt. You run the risk of someone really deciding, you know what, I'm going to lay this guy out. And you could try to sue over that, but the, tr but the truth is you'd be trespassing. And I just really wish fans would relax, you know? Like, yes, there are there are fans. Not now, I will take up for fans when it comes like, oh, I'm heckling this guy, and he got mad at me, and so I got kicked out. I don't think that's right. Because I now, unless you're spouting off hateful racial slurs, or, or then then that's a problem. But I think when you're a fan, you're allowed to say what you can say, like "Oh, you suck" or whatever, as long as it's not hateful or disrespectful in the sense of race, gender, or whatever. Um, but when it comes down to oh, "I'm going to get involved," that's where you run the risk of getting hurt. If you don't want to show up to your folks with fines attached to your name or an eye swollen, you might want to rethink that. Because this guy got real lucky. Because he was able to blindside Seth and tackle him before Seth was able to apply the front face lock. Very lucky. I'm wondering if... So, apparently, by the way, this is not the first time this has happened at this particular venue. Nope. Oh, as, this has happened a bunch of times. Well, I mean, at, just specifically at, at Barclays Center, uh, two years ago, apparently, Bret Hart was attacked yes. by a fan during a Hall of Fame Hall of Fame thing. speech, yeah. He got and tackled, I, yeah. I was looking some stuff up, and apparently the guy who uh, attacked him had according to this article, sent out a bizarre string of tweets in the week leading up to Saturday night talking about driving to New Jersey and challenging Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, and Dean Ambrose to a match. 
Yeah. Which, so it makes me sound like maybe these particular people are not necessarily in the best mental no. state. And therefore, because wrestling, if you don't know it's real, you can kind of get lost in it. And that would seem to fit somebody that has some kind of mental illness or something that is not capable of distinguishing reality from show would think that it's real and then attack um, in that manner. Uh, okay. So. Th th this is, this is what I will say. And I, I think we can argue about it because we've got the time for it. Um, I like, I, I like to change that verbiage. Wrestling is real. It's just yes. predetermined sure. what they're doing. It, it, what they're doing. They're not invisible. They're there. They're doing all that stuff. It's, it's but I get what you mean. I'm just saying it is real because they're doing yes. it. But they, at the same time, I get what you mean. If you don't know that this yes. is simulated they don't combat, don't know when the show ends. How yeah. If you don't know when the show ends, and because there there have been there have been stories of fans that have jumped the ring, mm -hmm. and they they've been beaten up. That you know, uh, Triple H, someone tried to jump on Austin. Triple H picked him up, you know, with a good old Greco style takeover, dropped him right on his head. Well, not on his head, but dropped him on his on his stomach, face down, started wailing on him. There has been instances Randy Orton kicked some dude in the face, gave him a black eye. There has been instances where. Um, you know, I think fans, especially in a wrestling arena, try to take things too far. And yes, maybe that is a sign of mental illness. But there are some fans that just genuinely get lost into the point where they can't pull themselves out of it. And uh, this was uh, this was a wrestling show uh, in a promotion called Ring of Honor. It was around 2006. And a fan, there were a couple of these guys, they were... Uh, Mad at this guy named Austin Aries because he was a heel and he had done something with Canadian flag and they didn't like it and they they didn't like the stuff he was saying to them as as his heel persona. So he had a security guard escort him from the building, but it didn't help because the fans came around back to confront him. He knocked one of their teeth out with a right hand, right cross, boom. Um knocked his teeth out, and you know, it just goes to show you that if you put yourself in a position to get hurt. These people will hurt you because there have been too many instances where uh, wrestlers, like I've told you, like it dates back. Wrestlers have been, you know, they've had knives pulled out on them in the ring because people have taken it so seriously. So they don't know what you're there for. So they're going to take you down and subdue you or hurt you. Like there are some wrestlers, Eddie Guerrero, rest in peace, Eddie, a uh, fan knocked him off a ladder, but he was great. He was good. He was thankful, blessed enough to land on his feet. He threw one good punch. Knock the guy down. Um, you know, so you got to pick and choose your battles here, folks, because you run the risk. Because there's the thing. You may have a mental illness that your family knows about. They're not going to know it. They're just going to be like, who is this crazy guy? Like the Bret Hart thing. Who is this crazy guy that is running here and tackled me? And they're going to punch you in the face. Or they're going to knee you in the chest. Or they're going to stretch you. But, I mean, it's very possible that this guy just doesn't even have a diagnosed mental illness either. No. You know, this, these things can go... But decades without, and I'm not using it as an excuse no, for no, his I behavior, know. but it's not like, you know, if he has undiagnosed or unmedicated schizophrenia, that can be a whole big, you know, that that's kind of the underlying factor right there. And again, that doesn't excuse his behavior. No. But it would be an explanation for it, at least. And I don't know. It's obviously in somebody, and again, somebody in that mind state is not going to have rational thought about it right no so i don't know it just 
yeah, don't do it. Uh, obviously, most people in their rational minds are not going to be able to do it. Usually it comes down to drugs or alcohol or some kind of other uh, thought-inhibiting uh, device that yeah. causes somebody to do that. But, yeah, it's uh, there's, there, there's no good— there, I mean, I, I would argue there was no good outcome before, but there's definitely no good outcome anymore. You're going to get tackled— you're going to get a hefty fine. You're going to be arrested. You're going to have stuff on your record, and you're not even going to get any kind of recognition for it because nobody is broadcasting that anymore. People are very quick to cut away. Yeah. They'll tell broadcasters to not even mention it. And even if somebody catches you on like their phones and posts it to Twitter, you're maybe Twitter famous for a day, but nobody knows your name because nobody's mentioning your name. No, it, you know it. It. it it will it will be talked about because it, it, it can be talked about forever because a lot of these issues have been talked about, but they will only be talked about when stuff like this is brought up. Because the guy from the Barclays Center that tackled Bret Hart a couple years ago, people have forgotten about him yep. until this got brought up. And now people are like, oh, yeah, you remember that happened to Bret? So, you know, I agree with you. You're not going to get the recognition you're looking for, and you could get more than a fine and jail time because, again, these guys will stretch you. True. If they if they want to, yeah, that's a, that most athletes will too. Like even the ones that aren't trained, yes. Like most of us normal people, and like if you're gonna run across a football field, now obviously, like we've seen it where, I, I if a guy, if you like streak at an NFL game, <laughs> and like uh, I don't know, Ray Lewis was to come across the field and knock you uh down and like just level you with pads. Yeah. He would get suspended, fined, all that stuff so quick. That but is true. You can't like if you try and run at him and tackle him, oh, he's going to lay you out. Oh all yeah. All these athletes will very quickly lay you out even if they're not trained just cuz they're so much bigger and faster than us normal Bigger, folks. faster, stronger, everything in every conceivable way. No. So, moral of the story, kids. Just stay in your seat. Stay in your seat. Heckle. And if you can't stay in your seat, watch at home. Exactly. And if you can't, if you can't watch at home, don't be a sports fan. <laughs> the true fans. True fans, the not true to contain fans themselves. Will always be there. Well, that'll wrap up another episode of the main event. It's been another excellent episode, Mason. Oh man, I've I've had a blast, man. This yeah. this 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 was fun, man. I, I you know we we agreed on a lot more than to be expected, to be honest with you. I thought so too. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> we'll, we'll debate more next. We'll we'll, week. De- we'll debate more. This is uh this is Thanksgiving week, folks. So we're just trying to be hospitable. <laughs> Big thanks to K and to you, Dan Bala, Mark Lambert for letting us come out of the Green Studio for this show, deep in the heart of Hinton, Texas. We have had a great time. Y'all have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Eat plenty of turkey. Enjoy your time with your family. Spend time with your loved ones. Y'all have a great day. We'll see you next time.